0: You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Corey Munson, coming to you live from Iowa, joined as always by Aaron Castro in Arizona and Liam Madigan-Fried in Houston, Texas. Josh Fredland is back behind the camera over on moderator duty, so be sure to hit him up in the comments section and uh, with your thoughts and questions throughout the show. So how's it been going, guys? How was your week?
1: Well,
2: uh, do you really want to know? Uh, I have successfully moved across, well, not really across town, but from mesa to tempe uh i am in the new studio that's good to go uh been eating like crap oh and um and there was a yeah that's so. Uh, that's pretty much it and then i spent you know all weekend scouting mlr players
1: well uh my my life at this point just kind of revolves around going back and forth from the Sabercat office as well as to uh, Houston Sports Park to, for, uh, for practice, um, and that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Yeah, I also eat like crap too, so I'm right there with you, Aaron.
0: Well, and since we're sticking with themes of doing things we keep doing, I guess I'll just complain about the weather. We got another eight inches of snow last or yesterday, and uh we're looking at six more inches tomorrow. So I'm kind of kind of over the Northland right now. Uh, Aaron, I might uh, if you got a spare room, I might have to come down and uh, visit uh, you for no. a few months.
2: Uh, no, uh,
1: uh, <laughs> didn't you just say you live in a studio? No, this is the studio. Oh, oh, it's the studio. It's it, like I've got like <laughs> so I've got like an air Okay, wrap up for
2: in this, in this <laughs> bedroom. Um. But, uh, yeah, th- we're is, a
1: uh, – Is Bucky a, Brooks in the next room?
2: <laughs> we're a short-term rugby house for uh, <laughs> for if you want to come by. I mean, we've got all the best bourbons uh, from Kentucky in the pantry <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed an adult beverage. So, however, man, talk about – so I'm a connoisseur, right? I'm not I'm not really a drinker. I'm more a connoisseur. I just collect bottles and just – open them, have a few drinks and put them back. I I don't know. I'm just, I'm not a heavy drinker and I I like good tasting bourbons and some other, some other liquors, of course. But, uh, so when it comes to choices, (laughs) I just collect things. So there are a lot of choices. If you want to make an old fashioned, I've got about six different good old fashioned bourbons and then like three that are like perfect to either sit by themselves or have like a jack or have like eh, bourbon and Coke. I don't drink Jack. Jack Daniels is like, Jack Daniels and Bud Light are two things that uh, remind me of college and I don't drink. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, so when like, I, I unboxed that and like put it away, I was like, wow, there's too many of this. But you know, as good rugby people, we all enjoy our, uh, our fine Highland Spirits and Lowland Spirits and all that fun stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, right. I mean, I, I kind of take that as a personal attack, man. I have a bottle of Jack Daniels out in my kitchen right now. I don't have a mm. lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could just get Jim Beam White and call it straight. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, as any of my rugby teammates will tell you, I'm not allowed to drink Jim Beam anymore.
0: <laughs> Especially
1: Black Label, man. <laughs>
0: So for those new, of you new to the podcast, uh, we do this every Monday night. We sit around, we talk about whiskeys, and uh, <laughs> oh, also rugby once in a while. Yeah, uh, Going through news, rumors, all things about Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union. It's a chance for us to look at the issues, to hear from the league, players, and team leadership, and to check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. With all that said as an introduction, Aaron, what are we going to be talking about this week? Well, New York takes down the leaders, San Diego continues
2: their rise, the Raptors put it together against Austin and Seattle, defend Starfire at the shootout in Paquilla.
0: Sounds like an exciting week behind us. Uh, Yeah, so if you guys are ready, I think we'll just jump right in here. We've got, um, yeah, New York, Rooney uh, was able to dethrone at least... uh, for one game, New Orleans. The gumbo
1: went sour. Mm -hmm. The
0: gumbo went sour, but they are still leading the pack, by the way. Uh, So that's pretty exciting. So uh, Norland gold uh, streak was finally broken by Rooney. Uh, New York really seems to um, like they're gelling as a team. I think Uh, we all thought that they, Kind of what we thought they could be ahead of the season. So Nolan remains at the top of the standings, like I mentioned, and managed to still collect a couple points in spite of the loss, putting them at 17, uh, which is still uh, five points ahead of their closest rival, which is San Diego. Um, it's also we should mention that there was some technical problems during the broadcast. It did cut off uh for maybe the last oh, what about 10 minutes maybe five minutes of the game minutes you know mm-hmm. just the same
1: important stuff
0: uh, yeah no, you know, no deal just like the very just end.
1: a comeback you know, oh, you know them oh. actually winning the freaking game
2: i'll cover that um people need to put their knives away
0: <laughs> so well that's a good that's a good place to segue aaron tell us what you saw at that game
2: so, uh, you know, just, uh, so the last 15 minutes are now available on ESPN plus, uh, the game was rebroadcast, at least on SNY for the New York viewer on Sunday in full. So what happened there was somebody, I guess some people were mad saying that, uh, they were thinking the, the broadcast, uh, you know, truck and generators, like power went down on site. No, it did not. Because if it had, they would have lost everything. But all their stuff was good to go on site. Uh, What happened, the reason why there was like that breaking coverage early on is the CS, Cox Sports Television's hub in New Orleans uh, lost power. Their back, their generator kicked on. And then the reason why it cut out was power didn't come back on but they ran out of fuel, so they, they had an outage for a, a long time. So it's, I mean, the game will be all uploaded to YouTube, of course, you know, with an MLR protocol, usually sometime the week after, so uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday, probably latest Thursday, you'll be able to watch the whole game in full on, uh, on YouTube. But as I said, the game has been uploaded, to ESPN Plus, so you can get your last fifteen minutes for ESPN Plus subscribers, or if you're an SMY person in New York, I don't, I don't really know how you guys do your thing, but it's it's up. But getting to the game, when you look at this game, we all picked Nola uh, to go forward and reign at four uh, zero. They definitely had their chances. Uh, you you know, Corey mentioned you know New York being who we thought they were. I disagree. And here's why. New York remains a deeply flawed team. You saw that up front. Uh, in the scrum, uh, you know, Loosehead, uh, Mr. Roch Roche, um him, like uh, both, both their starting props on the day were having some issues against Nola's props. Granted, I will point out in the stat sheet, they didn't lose any of their scrums uh, against New Orleans, but they were having issues. They ended up conceding a lot of penalties early on in the match at the scrum. Uh, So, but, so that, that, that is going to need to be addressed, especially as they make a run towards the title. Uh, If you look at, uh, they've already played one of the best scrummaging teams in the league in San Diego. Uh, I think when they play San Diego again, they're going to need to get that worked out or when they play the Sabercats, they're going to need to get that worked out. Well, however, the thing that's different for New York is that back line is as good as I we we thought it was gonna be. Um, Cajal Marsh, uh, you know, first run out against San Diego, I was like, Who, who is this guy? But oh my, Cajal Marsh is a bad man, he's a bad man. Uh, I think it was he scored 15 points on his own, had a try assist to uh, Connor Wall Sims, uh, so uh, he was. Uh, a part of twenty of their twenty of their points. You know that's that's pretty pretty insane, right there. Uh, when it comes to New Orleans, Holden, um, a don't show up late again, because the next thing is going to be is your chops. B, cut that hair off. Come on, man. <laughs> From okay, so everyone who wants to know, uh, apparently dyeing your hair or the tips or whatever is a very popular fine amongst MLR teams. Uh, A lot of teams have team rules. Homie was late to practice. Um, If you noticed, on Seattle, those guys are late to practice a lot, too. You know? I guess guess that's one thing. Um, dyeing your hair beats running gassers. Uh, Just too many many mistakes for New Orleans. Uh, They conceded like 10 penalties down the stretch to end the game that killed any of their momentum when they were trying to retake the lead. Uh, Yet the reason they lost this is because... Well, they couldn't kick. JP couldn't kick for Cracker Jacks. Then Scott Gale replaced him to kick for Sticks. He couldn't kick. Uh, one of the good, great things in this game is Tony Lamborgh. Two tries, fresh rehab from injury that he suffered against Romania in, in November, and he just he, that
1: man just brings it. Um, he might even make the ARC if he's fit enough. Hell yeah. Uh, so from my end, I was just gonna say, it was a shame that Nola wasn't able to come out on top in this one, uh, especially because they returned some really good players from the ARC. Uh, like, like Aaron was saying, they definitely had their chances to come out on top and to get the win. But unfortunately, uh, you know, like, like, like Aaron said, they kind of got in their own way. Uh, well, however, one factor you got to consider is that Rooney has had a ton of rest. Uh, this is only their second game in, four weeks now in, in major league rugby, if I'm correct. Um, you know, and that, that may very well explain how Nola, uh, seemingly just kind of fell off in the second half and Rooney looked like they were able to just keep on going, keep their engines running, uh, getting people like Landborn and Kathleen Marsh involved. Uh, Rooney's Patty Ryan and Connor Wallace Sims though, are two people that I'm really excited about. You kind of have two really wild physical presences on both the inside and the outside. Uh, Wallace Sims in particular is somebody I love watching. He's a constant threat. In Eddie his- Ryan didn't play, dog. What? Oh I mean, no, but but just in general of having like people like on the roster. Um, but no, but like in, in like 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 what I'm saying though. Connor Wallace Sims on the outside is a total threat. Like like of the majority of the time, and people have to account for him. And I think that's one of the things that makes def- defenses kind of spread out uh, when they're playing Rooney. Is they have so many play- uh, playmakers on the outside that can just tear
0: you up at a moment's notice. Fair points, fair points. And uh, Aaron, Josh, thanks for that uh, correction coming in from the back end. So uh, the next game of the weekend was uh, Legion facing off against the Utah Warriors. And uh, this one, San Diego, came out on top, 21-10. And honestly, I'm not going to lie about this one, guys. I spent the first half of the game just trying to figure out who was wearing red and who was wearing black <laughs> on the field. Uh uh, the uniforms like we've talked about uh before, you know, when they're similar color schemes already, uh it can be a little bit uh, confusing. But uh that that as an aside, um for me I didn't feel like even though the score was close, um, oh, it was not close. I'm sorry, I had twenty one nineteen written down. Aaron's telling me it is twenty one ten was the final score.
1: That Jamon correct
0: they missed out on that Boy. bonus point. We are, we are in rare form on this Monday night. I'll tell you what, yeah, fact dude. checking, uh, <laughs> needs to go before the show, not after it. Okay. okay. Legion one, 2110 Um, and, uh, for me, it, it never really felt like the warriors were able to get onto their front foot. It just, uh, it was Legion pretty much the whole time. They felt like they were in control of the game and, uh, I don't know. That's kind of what I thought, Liam. What are your feelings? Well, I
1: thought that Utah made like a stronger impression that people may have thought, uh, like to begin the game. I thought they were mo- they they started to move the ball well and they like, seemed really efficient. But then they just kind of disappeared. Uh, you know, it was eighteen to three by the end of the half. Um, so this game was never really close. Uh, even though, like, it's it was by no means a blowout. Definitely not. But you know, it it, it was definitely never a. I guess a volley of, of, of lead changes that would, you know, people would expect with something called a, a good rugby game. Um, Utah, this weren't really efficient with moving the ball. There was a lot of lateral movement. Uh, we saw a lot of that in terms of the teams that lost, uh, this week, a lot of lateral movement that ate up the clock, but didn't really produce a lot of results or meters per pass. Uh, Although Legion is looking, you know, they're looking like a well-oiled machine right now. Devin Short obviously had himself a game resulting in uh, man-of-the-match otters. Uh, JP Duplessis. Am I sorry? I know I asked about... Duplessis. JP Duplessis. Uh, Both of them, they were able to score as a result of really good line speed, getting the ball to the outside. And they were able to get ahead of Utah's defensive shift. Uh, Utah has some really good tacklers on that team. But uh, obviously, the Legion able to take advantage of the gaps when they were able to create them.
2: I mean, you you look at this overall game; it's pretty even, uh, to be honest. Yeah, uh, both teams had eighty four hit ups. Uh, meters gained uh, only a difference, and in, in the favor uh, of Utah Warriors in thir- difference of thirteen. Uh, the real difference uh, for both teams is the the differential in uh, meters made from kicks and. Game line percentage. Uh, the U- Utah only made the game line sixty three percent. San Diego eighty one percent. It was all about efficiency. Uh, they uh, they made about the same amount of tackles. Uh, the rucks, quick ball, same, same amount of rucks. You know, and but what was the difference is scrummaging, 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 and scrummaging. Even though. Uh, San Diego, you know, didn't go 100% on their lineouts. Uh, San Diego stole 30% of, you uh, one on penalty or took 30% of Utah's scrums, Like, that... Uh, Especially know, in the
1: modern scrummaging era where, like, you, nobody rolls the ball down the middle. Like, like it's,
2: it's, it's, that's really hard to do. Yeah, 30 uh, percent. You know, you can get 15. You can get 15 percent pretty easy uh, in a game. We are seeing that, you know, at at the premiership level, at the at test level, 15, 10, 15 percent, you can steal. But uh, whether it's through penalty or just taking that ball uh, away. But so <laughs> there's a lot to it. Uh, Joe Peterson continues to be Joe Peterson. Uh, devin short man uh, he's the size wise skill wise he's probably more of a blind side but he's he's still 20 years old <laughs> like what the, he's gonna turn 21 here pretty soon and he's just gonna be that he's he's the young I would say one of the few prodigious uh, players coming up through the system where he's probably gonna play like four years of professional rugby before he really gets his chance to play on the Eagles and he's going to be a very well-developed player uh, when he gets to the Eagles. He's already been, you know, U twenties. I think he made the APC as well. He's, this is that one guy that you just want to like watch uh, at the open side position for a while. Uh, and you know, he's, is mm-hmm. doesn't have a bad look to him as you know, for the, for the ladies down San Diego. You know what I'm saying? But uh, really, you, you dig in on this game. Patty Ryan. He, he has to be... Kim and... I, I would talk about Tristan Blue, but he, Patty Ryan has to be the top addition from overseas uh, this year. Uh, he's the scrum whisperer. He's out-scrummed every loose head that he's gone against so far in four matches. Uh, Temple. One of the things I'm loving uh, in this side... And really an MLR is the wide open creative styles of rugby that, uh, you know, the fly halves are being asked to play outside backs to use their skills. Uh, Even when it was a rainstorm against Seattle, you saw SD trying to do stuff out wide and push the ball and push the tempo. Uh, You you know, I talk about our lock depth. If there's one guy who's retired from the 2015 rugby world cup squad that is fit and capable to play a position of need, it's going to be Lou Stanfield provided his wife lets him raise right, his hand. Right. Um, and there was some really good play from Utah. Lance Williams uh, early on in the first half played pretty well. Uh, what I would do if I were Utah, though, is flip Tim O'Malley to outside center and put Jeremy, the missile, Misalegalu uh, Gallu at inside center to give you that bowling ball right off the 10, much like Paul is. Again, you know, he's not Paul He doesn't give you... Um, what Paul CK can do as a distributor and as a kicker, but he gives you about 70% as far as the physicality, the tough carrying uh, that sort of, you know, extra loose forward, but that is a midfielder. Like that's, that's what Jeremy, Jeremy is, or you can put him on the wing, have him play 11 and just run people over. You can do that um, and then put Featu Vinicolo uh, in an outside center to do that uh, extra distributor role.
0: <laughs> well. So, so
1: yeah.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Liam. What were you going to say, friend? No, no, no.
1: I was going to say just on, on
0: to the Raptors, man. <laughs> <laughs> we are not on our A game, but we'll get there. We'll get I mean, there we yet. Don't not worry. tonight, man. Um, okay, third game of the weekend. Raptors uh facing off against Austin Elite in Texas. So, um, I think we can kind of predict what happened. Uh, Austin continued their winless ways, uh, and Raptors were able to finally score a win for themselves. So, yeah, this brings the Raptors up to one and one and two on the season while it drops Austin to 0 and four. Final score is 24-13, to and I'm not willing to say the Raptors looked very confident, but it was certainly enough to get past AER. Aaron, what did you see down there?
2: Uh, Well, uh, you know, Josh asked over the weekend about celebrating old man tries. Well, Glendale had two. Peter Dahl at open side flanker and Atta Malifa at fly half. You had the old men getting after it, so we're gonna celebrate old man tries,
0: all right. Um, uh, I think as an an old man, I appreciate that. Thank you.
2: I said Glendale would put it together. Uh, just really wondered when, uh, if you watched their first two games, you knew what they were trying to play, trying to play attacking rugby much better than they have been. I mean, you know, in season one, they could attack, but their system was very rigid. And uh, what they're doing now requires, uh, you know, Will McGee and now Autumn Malifa and, you know, their, their backs to just be a lot more dynamic because they're trying to dictate the tempo and just, you know, I guess – do what, uh, do what everyone else is doing and score a lot of tries. Uh, I've also said that, you know, Austin is going to put it together. Uh, I think they will. I don't know when. It's probably the back half of the season. They're probably going to uh, win four or five games, maybe six, and they're going to spoil some people's lunch, and it'll be funny. Uh, but they—they're just these two programs are in different places in their development, and Glendale has plugged the right holes with the right guys, uh, Auto Malifa being their their starter at ten uh, rather than Mickey Bateman uh, from last year when Will McGee was off. Is you know it—it it really is a difference, even though Mickey Bateman and Jake Chrisman, when they had to when those two young guys last year had to both start together. Uh, you know they won a game at San Diego. You know they beat they beat Seattle uh, pretty bad at home. You know so yeah, the young guys again are are making it uh, making it known what they're doing. Uh, obviously, Jake Chrisman has moved on to Utah. Uh, Mickey Bateman was on the bench uh, for Glendale this game, but Carlo Denicen, yeah, he was in the he's a scrum F uh, started over Sean Davies. The last two games, uh, Well, will not over Sean Davies, but for Sean Davies since Sean Davies with uh, the USA Eagles right now. He was in the Glendale under 20 Academy last year. We didn't see him at all. Uh, and what is he doing this game? Scores a try. I think it was a try assist, uh, kicked from uh kick for sticks twice. Uh, he only went 50%, but, uh, that kid can play like when you're talking about a young scrum half coming into, uh, the shoes of, you know, the knock on starter of the national team that that says a lot good for him. Dylan Taikato Simpson, one of the inform fullbacks in the league. And he's, he's, he's got things. He does things. Uh, he was in the right place. Uh, ball was fed to him by Carlo off a off a scrum. He was on the on the wing with a great support line being run by Harley Davidson. Perfect offload for a try. Like uh, he he was where he needed to be. Uh, when it, when it comes to Austin, uh, scrummaging going okay, but uh, the, there's just the they 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 really. People talk about the, I guess, the hinge connection. I would say the, the connection throughout the attack isn't there. Defensively, they're okay, but they just can't. They're going to have to get – they're going to have to score first, and it's going to have to be a try with a good conversion to, and just hold on to it because they're they're really not going to be able to score anyone right now with the, the disconnect, and there's going to be some more disconnects in camp as guys come in and out for the ARC. Uh, they really won't be settled down till uh, probably April. So, yeah,
1: yeah. well, uh, as some MLR fans uh, who are as hardcore as us here on the show uh, may have noticed is that there was only an hour difference uh, separating the uh, separating the beginning of the Austin game and the Toronto game. So I watched the first half of the Glendale uh, Austin game where until I switched to Toronto versus Seattle. But from what I saw in the from from what I saw in the first half though, Austin continues to display the, their talent uh, on the outside as well as in the scrum. But it, there's just never any kind of consistency in which they can actually put an opponent away. And Glendale is a team that you know week in and week out has sees problems with discipline, especially in the breakdown, and they give their opponents these chances to score points and these chances to win, which is a big reason why they started out at zero and two. So honestly, uh, so so honestly, I think Austin—they're kind of showing us, you know, more and more that it's that it's not flukes that they're that they're losing these games. They're losing these games for themselves because they're not taking advantage. Uh, they're not taking advantage of the opportunities that are always there presented to them because they've been they've had these opportunities to win these uh, games week in and week out as opposed to teams like I don't know, like like, like, like the Warriors this week where they were never really truly in the game. Uh, yeah, no, Austin need, needs to learn how to finish uh, games. Uh, unfortunately, it was not really the case this uh, this week. Glendale was hungry for a win. They were going to uh, take advantage of a, you know of a bottom of the barrel team. Uh, like Aaron said, there was some, definitely some great old man tries. I'm really impressed, however, with the young guy Mika Cruzé. Who uh, the big knock on him uh, last year was just his game is still very raw. To a degree, that's still true this season, but I see him playing a lot more stable of a game, finding himself in position to actually, uh, you know, to actually make an impact. So um, I think I think Glendale has a really really bright future as long as Cruzé stays within the United States and with and with the Glendale Raptors.
2: Mm-hmm. He had a great game. He cleaned up his handling. Uh, he didn't really have any issues when it came to the ball. He was a very physical runner. Did he get stronger in the last two weeks?
1: Looks like it, man. Um,
2: pardon me. Uh, early, uh, Earlier on, I, I talked about Bateman starting at 10 for Glendale last season. Uh, no, he uh, he was a backup last season. Uh, that was Maximo De Ocheval who stepped in at 10 for
0: Will McGee. So, there you go.
2: Uh, moving on to the last one.
0: Yeah. Uh, so for the last game of the weekend, we were up in Seattle uh, for Seattle versus Toronto. And uh, I guess if the weekend had to come to an end, uh, this is a hell of a way to go out. It was it was definitely, in my opinion, it was the best game of the weekend. It was a very lively match, a lot of action, a lot of scoring. And it was also a very Canadian affair. There was a lot of... <laughs> There is a lot of guys from up north came down for this one. Um, ultimately, Seattle did prevail at home, 35-30. to 30. Uh, But, honestly, victory was not assured until right to the end of the game. So, Liam, lead us off. What did you see? So, when you say a really Canadian game, I just got this image of guys hitting each
1: other, and every time they do it is, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry there, guy. Sorry, sorry. But if, if, if so, you meant...
2: <laughs> so, like... Canadians are very polite. Islanders are very polite. I mean, they'll they'll literally lay you out and uh, then they'll, like, after they stomp on you, they'll they'll pick you up and say, hey, hey, I'm sorry about that, mate. Sorry. 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 (laughs)
1: Yeah. So anyway, this this was the game that I edited for Fitzy's uh, film study today. Uh, the first thing I noticed is that Toronto is much more productive when they're running up the middle. Um, they have some really talented forwards in, in that pack. Um, Gannon Moore, unfortunately, was kind of kept. I, I don't want to say he he, he was kept down because he definitely had a few good carries, but he definitely wasn't the kind of impact that we saw the week before when they got their first uh, when, when they got the win. Um, all, honestly, there were, just wasn't a lot of pr- productivity to the outside. I felt like there was a lot of lateral passing and a lot of their, you know, big, big territory gains were the result of some lucky kick chases. Uh, when the second cat half came around, though, what I really noticed is that those kick chases that, you know, had good results in the first half were starting to see some more adverse results in the second half. Uh, they were they, they had kicks going into touch. They had some lineouts stolen. Uh, they just stopped, They did overall, they, like, like I said, they just stopped being efficient in the second half, and they ate up more clock than they actually gained meters. So, and that's just a recipe for disaster every single time.
2: Uh, I sort of, wait, did you just talk about Gannon Moore playing for Toronto?
1: What? Yeah. Yeah. Moore for Toronto. Yeah. Not Gannon Moore, Dan Moore. D- dude, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, man. It is a frick I'm exhausted today, man.
2: Oh, uh, he's, you're lucky. They play. <laughs> you're lucky. They play the same position. At least, Dude, one, for, at least one of them's
1: not a hooker. <laughs> we're all effed <left laughs> up with names tonight, man. Uh,
2: so um Dan Moore um, played well yeah. yeah. for they
1: they but um, they contained Dan Moore to like to a much greater degree than he was last week, and you know that definitely was evident. But like he, he definitely had a few good carries, particularly on an inside pass uh, f- uh, from Toronto he was able to get, I think, a good eight to ten meter gain. But outside of that one instance, I really didn't see a whole lot from Moore.
2: If you really look at, I mean, t- Toronto's lineup, like the guys who uh, you know for them that are supposed to be the dynamic players, uh, Dan Moore was contained. Uh, Spencer Jones was contained. Sean Windsor was contained. Avery Oitoman was contained. Uh, Giuseppe Dutot had a really good game for them. And, but, uh, you know, outside of what their were forwards were able to do in the first half and really sort of push the tempo, uh, Fitness, 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 fitness. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, people were saying they were they were unfit. I don't know if they were unfit. I really don't know. But the guys on the back half of the roster, like the eight guy, the, the subs, they didn't have it. Uh, when both of the starting props came off the came off the field for. Uh, Toronto things changed differently. Uh, I would say the better scrummers were uh, when you know both front rows were fully changed. Or Seattle, uh, Kellen Gordon and uh, Mike Shepard and John Hayden—they just out-scrummed Stephen Wynn, Douglas Woodridge, and Cole Keith. They just—they just, they just did. You're talking like Canadian international people, like like these. Like I'm pretty sure Cole Keith has a cap. Pretty sure. Uh, but uh, like. There was just a massive difference, and then when it came to uh, what guys were able to do, Colby Francis had a really good game, scored to try, uh, for number eight for Toronto. And uh, you know, as as Liam said, uh, a lot of their good gains was running through the middle, uh, and you know, when they went uh, laterally, they really couldn't, they really couldn't get it done. And that's really—they wasted a lot of time in the second half. Uh, right when you thought they were going to push the tempo, after uh, you know, Sam Malcolm uh, put up those two penalties following Andrew Ferguson's try. Uh, L A. Where did Ben Sima come from? Because he had some some really bad play in the first half. Uh, but in the last thirty minutes, Ben Sima played. Like uh, you know, like we've seen him play rugby at the test level, and what he should be should be playing like. I, I said, you know, if Ben Seaboy plays like that, uh, well, he would be in contention for Eagles fullback right now. Uh, uh, Seattle stepped on the arrow's throat uh, in the, the last 20 minutes. Uh, Shalom Sunni Ula uh, in at the end of the third quarter scored a try. Off a sweet Brad Tucker assist. And then uh, Sima, you know, gets the ball at the right time. And, you know, like I, I think I mentioned last week that it seems that all of his friends from all those years in age grade rugby, now that they're playing professional rugby against him, or just, you know, I wouldn't say targeting him, but just showing their frustration at, uh, at Ben. And I think that's, but the difference is, is he started to like, I wouldn't say he started to realize this. But he started to play like he knew that this is just going to happen and he needed to lay the wood, you know, back and he did that, right? Uh, and then, uh, so they, they score a try and then Brock Stoller kicks two penalties uh, in the final quarter at 72 minutes and 78 minutes. It's kind of over. Uh, man of the match. Uh, we didn't really talk about man of the match, but uh, Eric Guchel, Uh Bro. Keep getting it done. Uh, dude, that's, you're, wow. Like, you know, rapid development, like how much time is spent between coaches and players that have high technical knowledge. Uh, Eric shall has developed more in the last year than he did the entire time he was an Eagle 7's camp player. And, you know, when he was in the Air Force, high performance program. So, a uh, great game for him.
0: All right. So, uh, as always, we like to go through and uh, kind of see how we lined up with our predictions with what actually happened. So, if you guys are good with it, I'll just kind of bust through this list here. Go right on ahead. Yeah. Oh, So, uh, last week we said, uh, so this week, sorry, the uh, Rooney beat NOLA 27-24. Aaron predicted NOLA by 8 Liam predicted NOLA by two, and I predicted NOLA by ten. So we were all wrong on that one. Shame, uh,
2: all of us. Well, uh, us and I think I think in my in the pool I'm in, only uh, American RC Craig Gridelli, who also writes for the Runner Sports, was the only person that I know to pick. <laughs> no, wait, No, no. he picked he picked New Orleans. My <laughs> suck it
0: uh the second match uh utah versus san diego the score was 10 to 21 uh san diego winning uh aaron you had san diego by five liam you had san diego by three and i had san diego by 13 fuck you Corey. oh sorry man (laughs) hey good for you good for you sweet child yeah (laughs) that might be the first one i've actually gotten right this year (laughs) Maybe <laughs> is it really? Uh, it's been a rough year for me, a rough season so far. Not gonna lie. I mean, I I only said
1: f you because I because you were the closest to the actual spread, but you were you were still two points off. So
0: I, I was. <laughs> I'm gonna take it as a win, though. Uh, all right, we've got uh, for Glendale versus Austin. The final score was Glendale 24, Austin 13. Aaron, you had Glendale by two. Liam yeah, had him by uh, 8, that was and I put down 13 for that one as well. So, uh, yeah. Liam, you're the closest without going over on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, it co- what's that show called? Uh, Wheel the
1: Fortune Pri- Rules. There you go. Pri- yeah, Price is what Right. Price is Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We're just going to keep correcting you all damn night. Uh, Dude, the only times I ever watched those shows when I was like homesick from school. So I was like half fever dreaming during every single episode.
0: So what do you want from me? (laughs) And then uh, the final game, uh, Toronto at Seattle, uh, which turned out to be uh, 35-30 for Seattle. Uh, Aaron, you're the one that called that one. You had Seattle by three. Uh, Liam, you had Toronto by four. I had Toronto by two so yeah so we're good all, work. we're all
1: terrible we're all, work, no we're no we're all we're all even i guess what, what yeah that's
2: it's it's three and one uh, across the across the Delio i think mm-hmm. um no uh you are two and two ha!
0: Ha! all right. So Aaron, uh tell us about the standings, where we're at right now. All
2: right. So I guess we talked about win percentage a couple of weeks ago on the, the Reddit board. I was like, well, um, win percentage, I, I don't think the person stated what they meant because win percentage, that's how people get judged in this country. Uh now point differential, uh that leads to bonus points. Well, you know, everyone has pride. So unless you're in the NBA, uh you know, you know, in the NFL, people are freaking trying. It's really hard to tank in the NFL. You got fifty-three guys on the roster that, you know, the bottom like ten guys—they're playing for a job. You know, they're playing to keep their job. So there's there's gonna be a lot of pride. Whereas in the NBA, uh, the NBA basketball is still a sport where one transcendent athlete can can shift your entire fortune as a team. So uh, that is what it is but um, point differential really matters here because it gets you some extra points, which matter in playoff seating. So uh, NOLA is three and one. So is San Diego, uh, but they are clear ahead uh, with 17 total points in the table from San Diego. Uh, San Diego is at 13 points. Second, Seattle moves up to third, although they're two and two, they've got 11 points. New York, Uh, with their win, only moves up to fourth with eight points on the table, but they are like a game and a half back of both uh, New Orleans and San Diego. Glendale jumps up again to fifth uh, with seven points. uh, Toronto slides down uh, to uh, sixth, really, but really tied with Glendale at uh, seven points as well. And then Houston has five points at seventh, and Utah four points um, from their victory uh, against Austin when in round two or week two of the season. And then Austin is uh, there adrift.
0: Dose so Dos you know? It's, one one interesting number I'm looking at here on the chart though is the fact that uh, New York's played two games so far um, compared to the one, two, and three spot, which have all played four games. And so the points they are capable of collecting, um, New York is capable of collecting, is substantially lower than um, the other three ahead of them as well. So you got to wonder as bye weeks come on for the other teams what that's going to do for Rooney. Uh, They could see their fortunes uh, looking better very quickly.
2: Yeah. uh, You know, someone mentioned, uh, you know, you've got to be like just pissed off that your total point differential for Austin is just twenty-four total points across four fixtures. So you're losing on average. You're you're losing your game by six points. Obviously, the the game against the Raptors kind of like skewed the average. But they've you know they're there, right? Sort of how we talked about Houston last season being there. Because their point differential, I think, was. Like the average was like five, like four and a half or five points for every fixture for, you know, yeah. Continue.
1: <laughs> so, uh, 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 on. I was just going to say a question I want to pose to you guys though is: Who out of the top four do you see most likely to fall out of the playoffs, and who in the uh in, in who in the bottom five do you see as the most likely to get back into the uh back into the playoff contention?
2: Um, I think right now. Um, based on four weeks worth of fixtures, it's it's gotta be it's gotta be Glendale and, and Seattle swapping spots uh, because you know <sighs> Glendale can score a lot better, like their offense doesn't have to chase people, whereas uh, Seattle against against both Nola and San Diego, they just they just had to chase them, And, yeah, they had to chase uh, Toronto this week, but they didn't go down two scores to Toronto. They answered pretty quickly. And they were at home. So those would be the ones that I would say that would flip. Um, what do you got?
1: So, I mean, I'm looking at the looking at the bottom five right now, and my gut feeling is telling me that, you know, and obviously this might, may be half a little biased, but Glendale and Houston are kind of the most likely, in my opinion, to make the jump into the top four. Uh, Glendale, like you said, they can they can score. They have a lot of playmakers in both the pack and on the back line. The only thing that I'm concerned about with Glendale is they have the tendency to uh, shoot themselves in the foot with penalties, and a lot of the teams uh, in Major League Rugby right now, it's it's not like last year where Glendale you know was for mo- for most of the season the far and away the better team. There's you know uh, especially teams like New Orleans and San Diego are going to be able to take advantage of those mistakes. Well,
2: that's when you um, look at. You look at both Seattle and and Glendale this season. They're both you know their, their penalty count is is really high. Both teams. So.
1: Yeah, so I, I I would I would agree with you that Seattle's to me is looking like the team most likely to fall out of out of the playoffs. Um, you know, Ro- Rooney is obviously look, like they look like they're gelling right now. Um, you know, and, and if that continues, um, especially when they start having more home games towards the end of the season, that's something to uh, definitely uh, consider. Uh, but obviously, like you know, them still being the new team, there's there's always the potential for uh, to see issues that we just. You know, haven't seen crop up yet that we're not aware of with uh, certain players. So it'll be interesting to see how how that goes. But like I said, I would agree with you. Seattle could definitely follow Probably Glendale. You know, I want I want to say Houston just because of the the massive improvements with the import of Eric Wayans and the much improved defense thanks to Coach Neil Kelly. Uh, So yeah, Corey, what do you think?
0: Well, um, I'm I'm kind of with you on Glendale and Houston, and then of course looking once again at the games played um you know utah has also only played two games so you know you never know uh something could start clicking for them and uh utah could jump up there uh as other teams go into bye weeks so we just don't i i think at this stage of course we don't know um houston and utah are both one and one on the season um and we've got glendale at one and two so it, it's so early uh and we're dealing with a 16, 17-week season here, so we've got a lot more time for people to move around than we did last year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, but if you guys are good with that one, I think we can kind of talk through uh, the games coming up this weekend. Good? Yeah. The weekend starts off on uh, with two games on Friday this week, uh, both starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. So that'll be that'll be fun. One, uh, first game up is Toronto visiting the SaberCats of Houston. That's eight p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Toronto by seven on this one. Uh, Aaron, what do you think?
2: So this is really a must-win for the the SaberCats. I think it's just just for. For a lot of reasons, really, a big one is local publicity. Uh, you know, you're you're seeing it. Uh, you know, Austin's dragging on getting people to the stand, but they're they're on four, so it's really hard to get behind a team that is on four. Uh, Houston, if they open this up, they're going to be one and zero at home, and they're going to be two and one on the season. And you know, it'll it'll get them past where they were, I guess, at the end of last season, which is very important. Uh, for Toronto, I think they got a win here, uh, except that, you know, uh, Brian Ray, I don't care if you're missing nine players, you either win or you lose, right? Um, I, I think to, I'm going, it's really a push, I'm saying Toronto minus one, uh, if if those props that went off injured against Seattle come back and they're healthy and Rob Brewer comes back as well, uh, then know they've, they've got a chance. The real question is how many people is Kingsley joins going to call back into uh, Canada side this week. Uh, and also we'll, we'll get to the Seawolves on that as well, because if he calls up more than the two players that weren't released uh, back to the, back to the arrows, uh, then, you know, the, it's really in the Sabercats hands. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I'm going to go with uh, Houston minus three. Uh, like, like we, like we were saying when we were talking about the Toronto game, a lot of Toronto's game uh, up the middle and Houston scrum is like, is considered to be one of the best in the league. Also uh, we have defenders on the outside right now and both Malachi Esdale, Joshua Viti, and Zach Pangolino protecting from the backside. Uh, I think we're going to be able to shut down uh, the the outside attack of the arrows. Well, I think we're going to be able to keep them moderately contained on the inside. I think this is going to be a pretty low scoring game. And I think Sam Windsor's boot is going to have, a, you know, is going to have a big impact. Whether Malcolm can, uh, you know, can come through like he did last week with, with a few good kicks. Um, that, that can definitely, you know, make a big difference. So, uh, like I said, it's going to be a low scoring affair, but Houston by three.
0: Uh kicking off at the same time, eight PM Eastern. We have got the Legion at uh Austin. So we got two Texas games this weekend. Uh and that's gonna be on Facebook Watch. So Aaron, what do you got as the line on this one? Uh you know, uh I'm
2: gonna go conservative uh because Austin's defense has been pretty good. Uh yeah, San Diego by ten. They're gonna get. They're gonna get out scrummed. Uh, they, you know, fly half. Uh, Their Austin's spine is not as gelled as it was last year, and I would say that Seattle's problem. I'm not say Seattle, but San Diego probably is one of the best spines in the league this year. set
1: uh, uh, I'm gonna go with San Diego minus nine. Uh, like Aaron said, I think they're going to get out scrummed, but I also, I think San Diego is going to be able to take advantage of a lot of uh, the doors that Austin's going to open them for for them. Once they make a few mistakes, uh, towards the end of the second half, which they tend to do. So, uh, the kicking game is going to be uh, big in this one. Like I said, San Diego by nine.
0: And I'm just going to go ahead and say San Diego as well. I'm going to put them by 12 big number there, but honestly, Austin is down hard. And, uh, I don't see that changing this week. So, uh, the Saturday match kicks off at 9 p.m. Eastern. That's Glendale at Utah. Uh, Liam, why don't you start us off with your prediction?
1: Uh, well, so obviously, Glendale is, uh, they, they have a little bit of momentum coming into this one after their victory last week over Austin. Uh, they're going up against another uh, team that's towards the bottom of the battle right now. Uh, you know, one of the, I don't want to say weaker ra- rosters, but like again, one of the bottom of the barrel teams. I'm going to go Glendale minus ten. They're going to create a lot of scoring opportunities just on big splash plays alone, and I think they're going to be able to contain uh, Utah's attempt to get outside.
0: Aaron, you know,
2: man, sorry, I'm trying to get uh, get ahead of this uh, in, a, in a different segment that we will talk. Uh, you know. But uh, when it comes to Glendale, I think what they can do, I'm going to play it safe and say, uh, you know, I'm going to favor them uh, at minus five, but it can either get ugly, especially if Gannon Moore and anyone else is pulled into the Eagles squad uh, this week. Uh, you know, Tim O'Malley, if, if they re- do some, do a few changes to their backline, and they can get their scrummaging better at, at a better level, it, it will be an interesting game. But you know Glendale showed what they can do against Austin i think they're going to get better uh, as i talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago and they're going to have less handling errors and you know they're just going to just going to do what they need to do and they're going to get it done uh, at zion's bank real salt lake academy
0: uh, you need, that's a mouthful right there. I wouldn't want to have to type in that URL. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to say, uh, Glendale's going to win, but I'm actually going to put a little bit of hope in Utah and say that they're going to give them a fight and it's going to be a uh, three point differential in on that one. I think Utah at home is going to be a little tougher than we expect them to be. So we'll see what happens. The final game of the weekend is Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, and that's uh, number four visiting number three, Rooney going to Seattle. Uh, this one should be good. Uh, I I have high hopes for this game uh, being really interesting, a real good just knockdown drag out. I'm going to say right now that I think Seattle is going to take it, but it's going to be close. I'm putting Seattle by three for my prediction. Aaron, what you got?
2: Well, it's the ribeye. With a loaded baked potato with some Tillamook cheese and some pulled pork on top. Mmm.
1: I have nothing but ramen in my kitchen, man. Come <laughs> on.
2: Uh, I'm going Seattle minus two. Uh, they're going to have it uh, the edge at the scrum. Uh, it's going to really be a battle of the backlines uh, because I think uh, you know you're just gonna you've got a few uh, more dynamic pieces. Uh, with the singles, but I, I don't think it's happening. But if Kingsley Jones smartens up and and calls up the scrum half he needs and the wing he doesn't deserve uh, in Broxstellar and Phil Mack, then it gets really interesting. But if uh, if the Seagulls are pretty much at full strength, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they they eke this one out at home. But uh, like I said, Paul Marsh is a is a bad man.
0: Liam, what do you think?
1: <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I was just reading ahead on some of the on some of the questions uh, that we have coming up. Um, but I'm gonna go uh, Rooney minus six on this one. Um, I think they're gonna come through with that with with that really good back line of theirs. Uh, Seattle uh, might. Uh, they're gonna be competitive in this scrum but overall I think Rooney's gonna play the uh, the more complete game. I think they're gonna control possession a little bit uh, better than Seattle who had like, like we've been saying has the tendency to commit some penalties in the most backbreaking moments. Uh, so yeah look for New York to win this one. Cohen
0: uh, going, going uh, into three and0. Fantastic. Well I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, it's also nice that they're spreading it out over uh, three days. Uh, was always, always nice not to have it all bunched up at once, but it'd be nice not to have those that double start time on Friday. But, hey, I guess you, you play games when you can play games. Mm-hmm. Lest we forget, uh, we also have an ARC match on Saturday night. Uh, that is USA versus Brazil, and that's Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern at Dell Diamond in Austin. So uh, yeah, who wants to start us off with that one? Oh, all right. Uh, well, I've got press availability with
2: Gary Gold tomorrow, so um, gonna pick his brain and Blaine Scully's brain about what they think about this game and what their what the work ons are uh, from Argentina '15, and uh, you know. We're gonna go USA minus fifteen. Uh, we're gonna get it done uh, at the scrum, unlike our friends uh, Le Rouge uh, from the north. And if we do it right, because our backline is just gonna be better, it could get ugly for Brazil because we've we've hung some nasty ones on them. Um, so I expect uh, I expect us to come out hungry. And want to make a statement and to be the, I guess, the, the test side winner of the ARC. Uh, we may not end up being the, the tournament winner, but we will be the, the full international side that wins the rest of the tournament tournament in dominating fashion.
1: Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with uh USA minus 13. Uh, I'm mainly just kind of basing this off past games that I've seen between the USA and Brazil, uh like our our backline like like Aaron said is looking pretty good so uh, I'm gonna give us the double digit win
0: and apparently I'm being the pessimist here and I'm saying USA is only gonna win by 10 on this one so <laughs> um I guess uh we'll see what happens or we'll read about it afterwards since you know it's on flow and none of us actually subscribe so <laughs> is, is flow still the thing uh, um depends on what time of month it is
2: I, I guess it is. Um, there's, yeah. I mean, so if you want to watch this game and you're in the United States, it's on Flow Rugby. Uh, however, the other ARC games are on ESPN Plus or ESPN 3, one of the two, or both. Uh, if you are outside of this country, you can watch it on the World Rugby website. For free. So there you go. Um, that's uh, what we're dealing with. I just, uh, you know, so before the rugby channel, before this flow purchase of the rugby channel, the America's Rugby Championship was on ESPN 3. Three years ago. Before ESPN Plus was really thought about, or yeah, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And all you needed for ESPN three at the time was an internet connection because all the internet companies did whatever they needed to do, and you know they they paid it for you. And now,
1: well, this I don't know. It, I, this subpar streaming company is completely oh, holding this, cost. This is terms. this
2: is what I gotta say is yeah. that the production level that is being put into it, whether it's the transfer of another feed into the Flow mainframe, since I know that the uh, rec- the commentators are recording v- remotely uh, at an ESPN studio, the feed transmission through the Flow server down to you, the end user is not working. And I know what Flow does for track and I, I, it's like guys i know what you can do production wise do that because then you, i'll i'll subscribe if you give me the production stuff that you do for track and wrestling and the other sports that you guys are known for then you'll have a a, a rugby product that people want that's you know like i said
0: so aaron would be subscribing
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd I, I, I do it. You know, I'd I, I do it.
1: Man, I'm already subscribed to Fubo, to ESPN+, Netflix, Hulu. I, I can't take another. Fubo fam! Fubo fam! Fubo fam! Fubo, dude, Fubo is dope, man. Like, not only do I watch, like, every MLR game, I watch every AAF game. I watch The Simpsons, Futurama, Archer, and stuff like that. It's dope. Yeah. Fubo, if you like sports, join the Fubo fam. Hey, Fubo, sponsor us, too. Yeah, that
2: we just gave you some free ads, so
1: mm-hmm. hit us up. Yep.
0: All right, so we are past 10 o'clock, so I'm thinking we do a lightning round. Questions from Bob. Let's uh, blow through uh, one or two of these and call it a night. What do you guys say? Hell yeah, man. All right, let's go. Okay, first up, Nurse Shirley T., Are the Eagles really as bad as they looked against Argentina? What is the state of the program after that loss? Liam, go.
1: I mean, there's always going to be those games where we've been on the upswing lately, so you can't really call us bad, but the loss was definitely concerning. Uh, The loss was bad.
2: Uh, Are they as bad as they looked against Argentina 15? No. Uh, What is the state of the program? The state of the program is good, uh, great player culture, and the boys are ready to go.
0: Okay. Bloody Bloodshot wants to know, where do you see MLR as a league in five years? Uh, Minimum minimum
2: salaries, more coaches, uh, a lot of collegiate players coming into the game.
1: Um, Assuming that the earth is still here and not just a big thing of rubble floating in space, I see it uh, being between 14 and 16 teams with an average salary about 50k per player.
0: Hey, that'd be nice. Uh, statch 37 any word on if we're gonna get an MLR app yes
1: yes uh, there, there is preliminary work being done a lot of the issue though is on is getting the money to maintain the app over a
0: period of time okay a couple off Twitter real quick uh, Trevor McDonald at at real Blueberry 52 <laughs> crawfish shrimp. Catfish, gator, or chicken rugby gumbo? What's your preference?
1: Uh, I guess shrimp, dude. I'm I'm from New England, man. A lot of crawfish, gator, chicken rugby gumbo—that is foreign to me, dude.
2: Um, so gator and chicken similar in taste. So let's just go deep south. Uh, crawfish and gator rugby gumbo.
0: Gator. <laughs> Completely sidetracked. I know we're doing lightning, but I had fried uh, crawfish when I was in Texas. It was fantastic. They like the crawfish
1: down here, dude.
0: Definitely. Okay. Uh, Final question of the night off Twitter Adrian Thompson at, at wordly01. Can we expect that when the right coast, oh, the right coast Patty Ryan and the left coast Patty Ryan meet up for a match? That they will join into a single super Patty Ryan.
2: No, you need the other Patty Ryan who plays in Ireland to come, so you have three Patty Ryans <laughs> to form the the Super Patty Ryan. We're now yeah. sub super patty Ryan.
1: Which one of them has the infinity stone though? That's oh, that's man. that's the main question.
0: Since there's three of them, I'm feeling like this might be a more of a triforce situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. All right. Okay. I think that's it. Fellas, any final thoughts on our way out tonight?
2: Uh, Six Nations on this weekend, so get up early. Uh, sit, sit on your couch on Saturday and watch Six Nations, ARC, MLR. Uh, Friday, you've got two matches. So uh, the Austin match is on Facebook, so you can watch that on Saturday also. Uh, but it's been a great four weeks of Major League Rugby. Mm-hmm. And get after it.
1: It's hard to believe uh, that like 25% of a few of the the teams in the league uh, of their season has already gone by. Um, Also, I'm starting to say the word mate in normal conversation without any irony, and that's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm just going to roll with it.
0: Um, And I'll just give a quick shout-out. We do have new content coming from our sister pod, And La Mele, Uh, so they'll have a new episode out uh, this week, and I believe another new episode out next week. So be looking for that for our Spanish-speaking friends. Uh, And with that said, on our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam madigan fried is employed by the West Houston Lions and the Houston Sabercats. Be sure to tune in next week. We're live on YouTube each and every Monday night and available at your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and iTunes feeds. It helps us out. It helps other folks find us. And be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us here on or over on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We appreciate it. We love you lots. We will catch you next week. And until then, go out and watch some rugby. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.